from Channel 10. <laughs> What's up, world? Before we get into this episode of the Channel 10 podcast, I just want to say that this episode is brought to you by 410 Music Factory. You can check out the new project from 410 Music Factory at 410musicfactory.com. It's called Poly Rhythms. It's also available on iTunes, Spotify, Tidal, you know, wherever you get your music from digitally, go check that out. Also, Channel 10 Podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can go to audibletrial.com slash channel 10 and um, sign up for a 30-day free trial. When you get a free credit for an audio book, you also get a discount on all other audio books. Definitely a great investment for someone who's on the go but still wants to keep up with um, everything that's going on in the literary world. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, comment on um, whatever platform you listen to our podcast on, whether it be iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, etc. It definitely helps us move up in the rankings. You can reach out to us at channel10podcast.com. There you'll find all of our back episodes as well as all of our social media links. Um, you can email us at channel10podcast at gmail.com um, and you can text us or leave us a voicemail at 443-885-0997. And I guess now that all of that is out of the way, we'll go ahead and start the show. We used to be like, see you then, Channel 10. And we used to think that people would catch on. You know but if you're not from Queen, <laughs> if you don't got Time Warner or whatever. Like, well, I didn't know that. Do it, yo. yo, what up, man? It's a different channel, son. What up, horn, man? What up? Watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. So good. What up? All good, baby, in every hood, son. What up, yeah? CNN, Network, Channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network, Channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. Yo. Yo. Welcome back. Once again, it's the Channel 10 Podcast. It is I, the almighty ARR tick in the building. I'm alongside. Sin God Superior. And man, I don't know what to say right now because it's just, in the words of Vic Mensa, there's a lot going on. Word. Like, you know, we've been talking for a minute off air. Uh, before we started recording this episode, but if you just look at the trending topics right now on Twitter and right now on the East Coast of America, or I should say the East, well, it is the East Coast of America, North, South, whatever, but East Coast, Eastern Time, United States of America, it is 1.23 a.m. on July the 8th, 2016. Number one trending topic in the United States is Dallas. Number two, Pray for America. Then there's historical songs. Then there's Joel Walsh. Then, of course, UFC Vegas. Then there's Social Media King. I don't know what that's about. Then there's Fetty Wap. Then there's Brian Williams. I don't know what that's about. Then there's Anderson Silva, the greatest of all time. And then there's martial law. So that, I think that paints a picture of where we're at at this time right now. 
Mm. Brian Williams just broke on NBC that this is a national emergency. That was 22 minutes ago. When it comes to people getting shot? I don't even know. But um, let me click on Dallas. It looks like four officers killed by two snipers in Dallas protests. This is from the Boston Globe. Two, two snipers? I, don't I wonder know. if we'll feel the aftershocks up here. Man, it's just, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Like, I have to take it back to um, the other night. Hold on. Um, I got to take it back to... What was that Tuesday night when I first, you know, started paying attention to everything that's going on and the whole thing with um uh Alston um yeah. Alston, Alston Sterling and I actually watched the video and usually I don't watch these videos but I watched it and man it did something to me like yo that the way they just pounced on him and, and, and shot him. And the guy said, if you move one time or something like that, and then just just shot him. And then when the other angle came out, it was even worse. And then this morning, um, you know, I get the news about what happened in, was at Minneapolis? And, um, you know, uh, Diamond Reynolds who uh, live-streamed after the cop shot her boyfriend and killed him. Well, basically, he was dying as she was live-streaming it. Um, and then today, I'm sitting at work, and I'm listening to her give her a speech. And, you know, that, it just, it, it, it like, it just really hit me on, like, a lot of different levels. You know, um, I don't know. How do you feel about everything that's going on? Well, you know, honestly, I mean, and, you know, this is, I guess this this is a bad thing about me, and I guess the whole thing about the Aubrey Tower, and that's, it's the fact that, you know, you just get kind of, like, disconnected from certain things, mm. and not saying that I'm exactly all that disconnected, but, you know, I've kind of made it, like, a thing that, you know, I'm not really on social media like that or whatever, but... I don't really exactly go out of my way to really see what's going on in the world. So, um, you know, like a lot of my news I get from you and just like from different text messages, you know, that I get from people and like, and like my daily conversations. Mm. Um, so as of right now, I guess I'm still trying to uh, wrap my head around it. But, um, you know, I think this goes back to, you know, our, 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 our earliest episodes, you know, when we were talking about Baltimore and when we were talking about just general race relations um in this country in general well, you know well before um the riot, the Baltimore riots happened before you know Freddie Gray before um um uh you know Brown and everything in Ferguson and stuff like that so I don't know once again I'm not surprised 
And, you know, history will tell you that, you know, this shit isn't over. And, you know, historically, the Civil War was not a long time ago. That's true. And, um, you know, we didn't even mention the Piedmont Park hanging. Um, and I see a tweet right here. A man hangs from the uh, from a tree in the south. Death is rude to suicide before the autopsy report. And then there are reports that the Klan was active that night, uh, passing out flyers and things. And so... You know, you talk about these police shooters and, you know, we know the origins of police, you know, being the slave catchers, you know, protecting the property of the wealthy slave owners. Um, and, um, you know, it just feels like this is a time like it's like going back in time in modern times. It's, it's, it, 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 it just seems so archaic that we're talking yeah. about this right now. Yeah, I mean, it feels like the 60s. Yeah, like we weren't even there, but, you know, my mother, she was like, you know, it's 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 everything happening again. I mean, yeah. Like, and then, you know, these officers just got killed and wounded in Dallas. They're talking about snipers shot the officers. Um, and then, like... People are talking about, and, you know, this has been a conspiracy theory that's been going on for a long time. Um, and, you know, when you look at the way the world is moving, it's like, I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory or if this is just the way that things have been moving and people can kind of see that this is a possibility that could happen. But, you know, they're saying that something big is going to happen to where the elections get postponed and Obama stays in office. Um, That's right. Like how uh, Rush Limbaugh says, the uh, the Obama regime. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, people talk about Obama and all this other type of stuff. Like, when it comes to presidents, you know, they're all in the same gang. They're all in the same clique. And they don't really run anything. Um you know, not to be on some conspiracy theory stuff, but it's the central bankers, even Rand Paul, who, you know, is a senator, even say he doesn't know who really runs all this stuff. Um, and he's a Republican. And, um, you know, Obama actually, you know, when he first got into office, he he went through with some things that George W. Bush already had in the works and then some of his policies kind of especially with foreign policy and things of that nature you know like things that affect the world on a whole global scale he continues and furthers it to more of an extreme than bush did and you know we all hate bush supposedly and he did a lot of the stuff you know that bill clinton did i remember when i was young and um you know, the news would be on at grandma's house. And I remember when they, um, I remember seeing when they started bombing Afghanistan and it was just out the blue and it wasn't, you know, I was young. I really wasn't up on things, but it didn't really seem like it was that much. Like it was a big story for a quick second and it just kind of went away. But, you know, this has been going on since the eighties and nineties with, with, um, the international side of it and then the domestic side of it has been going on since the inception of the country. 
And it's just interesting to me to see that all this is happening right after the 4th of July and Mm -hmm. during such a pivotal time when it comes to presidential elections. Um, It's just crazy. Yeah, you know, I was, uh, I had a friend who texted me um, the other day and he said, happy 4th. And I said, happy (laughs) 5th. And he said, why you say that? And I said, because the 4th is evil. Mm. I kind of jokingly said it, but you know, you know what I mean? But you know, I I had a point to it. I mean, you know, for example, I remember when um, I was interning at the Maryland Historical Society and we ended up going to Fort McHenry for the day and we were like special guests or some shit. And we had like this park ranger who was going, you know, going and, you know, giving us like a tour and shit. And then he uh, stopped at like the American flag and he had the whole story about the flag and how it was saved and all this and that. And he just wanted us to pledge allegiance to the flag. <laughs> mm. And, you know, I'm, I was the only black guy there. And, you know, I didn't want to do that shit because, you know, I just I just wasn't what I was really into. And I don't think I should really exactly pledge allegiance to the flag, you know, until I can start walking down the street and not really be, you know, um, labeled by the color of my skin. I mean, to this day, I fucking I teach what? Uh, or over 40 students a semester. <laughs> you would think that would give me some type of some type of recognition and still don't. So Yeah, I mean, you know, last time I pledged allegiance to the flag was um I was in fourth grade. That was the last time I was in a school that required me to do so. And you know, I'm I'm firmly anti status at this point in my life. Um you know, I'm not for borders. I'm anti-borders. I'm just for people. Um, so I can't really see myself pledging allegiance to this man-made concept. Because, you know, the idea of, a, of, of the state and pledging allegiance to it, to me, is like being back in Catholic school and having a cross up on the wall and, you know, doing the, the Our Father. You know, it's like these routines that they put you in and, you know, when you go into the whole aspect of schooling, you look at, you know, our education is free, but it's provided by the state. And so they're indoctrinating you with this ideology of the state and that you pledge allegiance to this state, you know, and it's like at the end of the day, we're people just like how anybody else are people, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, what I don't, and, and this is the, this is the thing about um, you know, race and you know the whole idea of a state, and it's the and if you you know add this whole idea of culture into it, and you know culture, I would say the idea of culture kind of complicates this concept of like what a state is and country, city, city, state, whatever you want to call it, and. You know, because we've had this conversation, you know, about people who want to, like, black people who want to go back to Africa. Right. But they really aren't. They aren't African. And we know that that's a, that's a man-made, you know, uh, construct also. Right. Um, and it's like, you know, what do you do? You know, what do you do with that issue? The fact that, you know, in some kind of weird way, no matter how you kind of shake it, in so many words, we are American up to a point because we do share a particular culture compared to 
other kinds of people. We do have ancestors that were connected to uh, slavery who, who literally built this country mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so I would say up to a point we do have a particular kind of, you know, connection to this land, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And how do we, how do we, um, I guess, settle that with what's going on right now? Mm. I mean, it's hard because they say America is a melting pot, but it's more like a pot with oil and water that you try to mix, but it doesn't really mix. And the the more dense substance sinks to the bottom, and the and the and the less dense substance rises to the top. And, um, you know, we have a dense history when it comes to this, like everything. And it gets pushed to the bottom, gets pushed to the back. But, you know, America's, and not even just United States, but North and South America as a whole, it's all based on race, you know, because... You're dealing with people. You're dealing with people who came to a new land and interacted with other people who were different culturally, socially, um, you know, just appearance-wise and everything. And from that first contact in the new world, um, that first documented contact by Europeans in the new world... um, you know, it's all been based on race since then. And so you can't take race out of the equation at all. And then when it comes to nationalism, is it's kind of strange because a lot of times, you know, when it comes to mainstream American society, we're not included in that. But then when we talk to our, our Caribbean and our African brothers, you know, they look at us as Americans. <laughs> so yeah. it's like we're caught in the middle. Like, you know, when I'm talking to my Jamaican people. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're American, so you don't know about this or that. And it's like, yeah, you're right. But at the same time, you're kind of wrong in a sense, too, because um, you can say the same thing that like white people they'll say something that's culturally mainstream, a mainstream socially acceptable idea or you know theme, and you either don't agree or you have no idea what it is. Like I always go to the idea of um, the whole thing about blondes and brunettes and things like that, and it's like there's certain American cultural stereotypes that are associated with these types of things. But, you know, we don't necessarily identify with those types of things. And then when you listen to, like, you might be listening to a podcast with two white people talking, and they say, oh, yeah, there's a big black guy. (laughs) And it's like, you know, they don't necessarily mean anything by it, but subconsciously they look at black as being the other. And so by being the other, you're not included in the mainstream of the culture that of the 
borders of the country that you're in. So mm. it's 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 hard being a people with with so much culture and history, but then at the same time, so little when it applies to what's exactly going on in front of your face. Yes, <laughs> that's uh, that's very true. And, you know, I was thinking the other day, like, um, you know, that like the uh, like the designer song Panda, mm-hmm. and how in my head I'm like, you know, like when it comes to like songs like this, only a black person could do it to make this shit, you know, a number one song. That is how I felt at, at the moment. And, you know, I just think, you know, that's like a, it, it exemplifies like that rich history that we have that, you know, that is respected. But then at the same time, you know, it, it's not respected. But then when it comes to, you know, like I, I worked at uh, in like the international um, development sect of, you know, the college that I graduated from. And, you know, a lot of um, a lot of different people from from the African continent came like from Ghana and so on and so forth in Nigeria. And, you know, after they came here, because it was they were a part of a program. Uh-huh. They're supposed to come get their degrees and go back to their country and um, and uh, and go there and help out. And that was like actually a stipulation in the contract. But what the issue was, a lot of people after they graduated, they will literally go like lay low. And literally, like, skip off so they wouldn't have to go back because, you know, I talked to the, some of them, they said they don't want to go back. Mm. Because, you know, they, they are free here. So that's, so that's like another issue, too, that, you know, we're dealing with these issues, but then other, other black people in the world, they still see us as free, although, you know, we were getting shot and all kinds of shit. And it's weird because, you know, us being confined to, you know, the areas that we're in, it's it's kind of interesting because you get different perspectives. Because I talk to people who've been to Africa, you know, different African countries, and they say that when they come back, it's a feeling that they don't, or not, not come back, but when they go to Africa... Is a certain type of feeling and vibe that they get sometimes, um, where people are very welcoming, you know, very like, oh, you know, my brother, you're back, like, and all that other type of thing. Um, some of that might be because, you know, a lot of people see us as um, being rich. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but at the same time, it's like um, I've always had this thing of, you know, we get looked down upon by Africans. But then, you know, even in my interactions with older African people, um, you know, you know, the stereotypical Nigerian parent and stuff like that. But, you know, when I interact with these people, it's all love and it's all good. So, you know, sometimes I don't know what what the deal is, or maybe there's a new consciousness that's coming not only in America, you know, this whole concept of being woke, but maybe, you know, everybody's getting woke and realizing that, you know, we're all in this together. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, but then, but then what is it, to, what is it to be said about the people who don't want to go back to their country that, that they're supposed to be helping out when they, you know, um, based on the stipulations of a program that, that they enrolled in? I think that 
that comes from the fucked up ass country that they're from, you know, and it comes from, you know, it stems from government. And, you know, a lot of times, especially when you deal with these uh, places that were colonized, number one, these lines didn't exist before. So you're putting all these different types of people together. Then you're forcing them upon this this European type of government. And then you just leave, <laughs> you know. And then yeah. um, when you create a power vacuum like that. That leads to where a dictator can can get into place. And, you know, it doesn't matter what race you are. They're psychopaths and those types of ambitious, relentless types of people. You know, in every race and every culture. Whether it be, you know, an African dictator or a Hitler or somebody like that. So when you have a power vacuum and you don't have any type of structure. Um, that chaos can lead to a certain type of order. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> but, I mean, so, but yeah, I mean, that's like, you know, like, I don't know, man. It is it is something to be said about certain things like that. So that's why, you know, at, at least right now, I'm, I'm leery about, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, I, I never was. Like, I'm going back to the motherland. I'm going to go back to my people because I've never been over there. And I just thought, I, just, I, always, I, th- I just think that's common sense. <laughs> I mean, I feel, Honestly. I, I, I feel you, but at the same time, I also feel like, I mean, I'm not talking about like going back over there to live and start a new life and a new whatever, but, you know, I do want to go. I mean, well, I, I want to go too, but I, what I'm saying is that, like, um, all right, how can I put this? I mean, I I think you know what I mean. Like, you know, I can't, like, I'm sure there isn't a Baltimore in Ethiopia. Yeah, I mean, I mean, people, I guess, I guess you're talking about the people who have this, this uh, romanticized idea of, I guess, like a reggae song from the 60s. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I like, I mean, because so that's what I'm saying. Like, shit isn't like unless you want to get to, like some farmland, maybe then then there you go. But like me, for example, I am totally attached to an urban way of living. Whether you know it's a good thing or a bad thing, which I think both both you know sides of living have they both have like their you know their um their pros and cons. But I'm interested in urban living. And all and all and, and and with that, I know that I do have a Eurocentric view of things because I'm here, right? As we all do. I so, mean, I mean, I think, I think, um, and you know, this might be unpopular to say among some circles, but you know, coming from a humanist perspective and taking race out of the equation, you know. When you look at certain ideas as being Eurocentric or African or certain things like that, it's not always beneficial. Sometimes the most beneficial thing is just to take the best idea. And you can't, I was thinking about this the other day, like, you can't front on certain things that European culture has created that uh, that are good. 
and that you can take and adapt into your own thing. Just like you can't front on certain things that African culture has that are good that you can take and adapt. You know, is so um when you talk about having a Eurocentric mind state, uh, I wouldn't say that it's completely Eurocentric because I mean, you can look at somebody who's black with a completely Eurocentric mind state, like like you can point that person out and you know, you can look at you and see that you aren't that. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess if we'll put it this way, I mean, well, in Lord knows that let's hope the whole steps don't come after us. But <laughs> um, you know, like for example, um hip hop. Mm-hmm. You know, you have you have your drums, you have your bass, you have your your, your freestyle, your call and response, but yet and still is based on a four four structure. Right. Whereas we know African culture is based on a more complex stru- a structure than a four four. Right. Time signature. But that's sure. that's some your that's some European shit for the most part. That's true. So, like you know, stuff like that. So you know that I mean that that's a hip hop thing. It's a mixture of African European culture, and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. So you know, I want to be able to, to go back to Baltimore to Lexington the Market. There probably there, there isn't a Lexington the Market that I know in Ethiopia, probably. But at the same time, too, like, um, you know, when they talk about Africa, um, and as that. That album that I sent you by that guy, I forget his, um, I forget his, his name at the moment, but I think he said on his album, like, yo, it's cities in Africa, like, even like, you know, I guess the main example would be Lagos, Nigeria, like, you know, from my understanding, you know, of course it has this extreme poverty and everything, you know, that you can see from that Rick Ross video that he did, but um, <laughs> you know, it's not all that you know, there's it's popping in certain pockets there, you know, people are over there getting money people are over there living life um, right. you know, they have a, a strong movie industry so it's not like they're sorry, so I, I, I think I, all right, so I, th- I, think this, I think this is a good point, so for example all right, yeah, so yeah, there are cities popping, and I, I know there was like some type of weird movement about that on Twitter like a while ago about just people from like those places like just showing off like pictures, yeah, like kind of like making jokes out of it. And so, yeah, I get that. But for example, like uh, like Nollywood, um, well, I think is it one of like the is it is, it, is that like the second or, or the biggest like movie industry? Um, it's either the second or the third, it's like Hollywood, Nollywood, Holly- and Bollywood, Bollywood yeah. Yeah, so I try to watch the Nollywood movie, like two or three of them, you know, over the course of maybe like three, four years. I mean, no, don't get me wrong, I haven't really tried to watch them, but I don't understand it. I don't understand the uh, the humor. Yeah, that's a cultural thing, too. Which yeah. Is, but it's interesting, too, because, um, you know, Netflix is, is trying to break into that. So they have, uh, um, like, some type of Nigerian original series. Um, I don't know if you heard about that. Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, let me try to look it up real quick. Uh, let me see. Netflix. Well, yeah, so, but, uh, so that's my point. So, you know, we know that, you know, Nigeria has a really big movie industry. You know, you have, you know, various city cities and throughout Africa that are popping in different countries. 
but it doesn't mean that they have the same culture that I am accustomed to. Because I mean, and then maybe I sound really American by saying that, but you know, uh, it's just how can I? You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, well, I'm not the type of person that's interested in really like living, like going to another country and living there forever for the rest of my life. Maybe living there for a certain amount of time and coming back. Yeah, I, feel, I mean, yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, I mean, what you're saying is the same type of thing as watching the office American version and then going to try to watch the, 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 the English version. Yeah. Because you know what, because that, that, that wasn't, that was not, it, I, didn't <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, I watched like three episodes in a row. I had a straight face the entire time. I did not understand anything that was going on. And it's like, sometimes the script might be the same, but the way it's delivered, like this, the whole thing is just way different. Cause it's just like, I don't know. And this is coming from someone who's watched, you know, British comedies. <laughs> And, I like certain British comedies. You know, right? as we both have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Culture is just an interesting thing. But I guess to bring it back to to the situation that's going on now, um, I don't know, man. Like, it's just every couple hours, it's just a new thing. Like... And then I guess to bring it back to that worldview, um, during the protests for uh, Mike Brown, and then I think, yeah, I think Mike Brown is when it started. I don't know if you remember, um, even going beyond Africa, uh, the Palestinians were offering their support. You remember that? And they were like telling you what to do in certain situations when the police do certain things on Twitter. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. And then um, I saw something. I started researching during that whole time period. ISIS was trying to recruit black people, <laughs> and it's just it's just weird because apparently the Orlando shooter, you know, he said, "Are there any African Americans here?" And he didn't want to hurt them because they already been through too much. And how nice of him! Yeah, and I heard before. I heard before that. You know, when Americans get caught by, you know, different terrorist groups overseas, they usually let the black people go. Mm. That's interesting. So, I don't know. And then, you know, black people have always had this weird uh, thing in America, like even in the 60s about, you know, us being associated with the communist movement and things like that. And, you know, the communists trying to recruit us. And um, I've seen these tweets go out about the value of a black man's life. And so, you know, you look at, um, I think they put up how much a black, like a star black college student generates. And it's like a hundred million dollars or some shit, you know, for a school. So it's like, you know, our lives have a certain value and they're being and it's being used and manipulated in different types of ways. But like, you know, our lives have always had value. That's why they put us in slavery. <laughs> yeah. And then like I don't know, man, like it's you know, these things not to be cliche and not to be out here, you know, hashtag activism and everything, but, you know, these things, they get to me. 
Like, so I've been pulled over hundreds of times. And some of them times I've, I've been afraid. And I think the second time I got pulled over, um, you know, the officer kind of reached for his gun a little bit. So, um, I've been in situations where, you know, I, you know, I've seen officers beat up people who I know and then charge them for assault. <laughs> the same officer, you know, PG County police, you know, what did he say to me? He said, um, ah, uh, man, why can't I remember? He said something, boy, a black cop too. He said, oh, he said, don't make me make an example out of you, boy. <laughs> oh, man. He was like, he, he was well over six feet tall, just, just, just big, this big dude. Yo, like, that's the thing, like, you know, in my experience, black cops have been worse than white cops to me. And you, another thing, too, is like, it's just a conversation I have with my girlfriend. Like the thing with police, I, I, I like I think you know it comes to these cultural things because a lot of these police officers aren't from our culture, so they don't understand how we talk. They don't understand how we react to things, and maybe we aren't speaking and reacting to things in the best way. But at the same time, if you are are charged with, um, or not, um, uh, if you are tasked with protecting and, cons- and, and, you know, um, serving this community, you should be culturally aware of how to deal with the people in the community. Cause like we just said, people from different places have different cultures. So if you approach somebody in a certain type of way and they react a certain type of way, it might not necessarily be resisting arrest. It might just be them asking a question, but because you don't speak the language or you don't know what they're saying, you're just going to shoot them. Yeah. And then, you know, like that's part of your job description is to be able to, to, to deescalate these situations. You know, I, you know, in my line of work, I do investigations and I'm constantly trying to de-escalate situations and make the person that I'm dealing with feel comfortable because I'm giving them some information that I know that they don't want to hear. And a lot of times I'm catching people in lies. (laughs) And so (laughs) I, I'm just honest, like People lie to me every day, and then I I have to break it down to them how I know that they're lying, but I have to do it in like a professional type of way to not make them feel too stupid and to just make the situation calm. It sounds really sad. People are lying to me every day. Man, that's a whole nother thing that I meant to talk to you about, you know, just dealing with my line of work before uh, we even got into recording the podcast, but yeah, like people just, they just sit there and they lie to me and I have to de-escalate the situation. And so, um, now I'm not usually in the immediate threat of danger. I mean, you know, I have had people threaten my life, but, um, they're not in my face. (laughs) 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 I need to get paid more, (laughs) but 
um, you know, I do understand that, you know, if you're an officer, you're in the line of duty, you're just doing a job trying to get home. I feel you. But at the same time, your job duties are special. You, If you're a police officer, you are special. Like, that, you have a power that people don't have. Which means that you have a responsibility that 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 people don't have, and sometimes you have to make sacrifices that people don't have to make. Anytime you are, anytime you have something that somebody doesn't have, that usually comes with some type of sacrifice or some type of responsibility that people don't want. Mm. People who are rich sacrifice a lot to get to that level. People have a lot of power, sacrifice a lot to get to that level. So if you have the power of life and death in your hands as a police officer, that means that you have, you know, the potential to make sacrifices that a regular person doesn't have to make. And you have to be ready to take that when you take the job. But they just hire people who don't have any other options. Like going to the military, going to the police. And then they hire former military people who are trained in a certain type of way to deal with people as coming in as an occupying force and not, you know, as a as a force to help people. Mm. Well, I think with all this being said. The, the kinds of people that we don't need out that we don't need out here in the streets as authority. This is something else we don't need out here in the streets. We don't need people out here who, who run around in suits, who have briefcases, walk around briefcases all day, but they have nothing in them except for their lunch. And they go on, they have glasses on, and then they want to go around and prance around March like it's the 60s and sing hymns from Martin Luther King's time. That's something else that we don't need. We and don't. we don't need... Huh? We don't. We don't. And we don't need people on... We don't need people on Twitter who in their bios, they say that they're an activist. If you're an activist, you should never say that you're an activist. And that's why, you know, I, I like... um I like D. Watkins. Because... You know, you know, in an episode with him, he talked about his form of activism as actually doing something for people. Like he's not necessarily going to be out here marching, but he's going to make sure that kids are literate and that they have critical thinking skills. Yeah, man. So we don't need everyone running out to the scene and you know doing this, doing that. You know, I mean, I, I get it, I understand it, mm-hmm. but just don't. Just don't make it a career, man. Don't don't have like, you know, don't have booking information if you're an activist. <laughs> to, yeah, to, yeah. To, to, to make a long story short, don't have booking information if you're an activist. Oh man. Yeah. So yes, yeah, <laughs> I think that might be a title for this one. <laughs> like we don't we don't need you to have booking info. Nah, nah, bro. Like. And it's a lot of people that's it's a lot of people that are trying to come up off the struggle because it's it is lucrative, you know. And even by talking about it, 
on this platform, you know, we're probably going to up our views and things like that, which increases our potential to get advertising and sponsors. So it's kind of crazy to think about. But that's just a fact of life. But, you know, we're just talking about it, trying to analyze it and recording it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, like, because after a point, if you're an activist, then I guess there is a certain amount of exploitation. Up to a point, I mean, if, if I guess, I guess this, this is my thing. Certain people, they like, you know, let's say if someone gets shot or whatever like that, no one, no one really cares. Like, like a small thing happens in a the neighborhood, they might really care about that. They just want to go to anything that gets that gets national attention. Like, what what happened around here? Um, no one. If uh, I know that we we're starting to get more listeners now, if y'all want to know what I'm talking about, go to episode two. <laughs> <laughs> like, but the, like, what what happened around here? You just had different preachers, like preachers from these different parts of Oklahoma that were coming out of nowhere, coming here to talking to to to. To, 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 to get on the camera, you had these different black organizations popping up, and then there was like some type of weird meeting between different black organizations, and they were complaining about certain black organizations getting like uh, getting more like uh, um, airplay, like getting more camera time than other black organizations. So there was like some type of weird um, uh, like agreement that you know a particular organization wouldn't get as much airtime as the other one. Like, I mean, all this for what, man? Then, you know, then you have all these Afrocentric motherfuckers that want to pop up because it's the cool thing to do for the moment. And then after all that, I didn't see any T-shirts. I didn't see any people wearing crazy hair, nothing. Not as much as what I saw when everything went down here. Uh. And that's the thing that has to stop. Because I am, like, like how D. Watkins said, I am a person who supports quiet activism. If you want to be active so much, you need to be an activist all day, every day. Yeah. And 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 like you know, the main thing with activism is being active. Like you know, when you in a when you know, like when you use gangster terminology, like nigga, I'm active out here. Like I'm 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 out here doing my thing, and whether it's small or large, like. You know, I feel like me rocking my beard the way I rock it is a form of activism. Matter of fact, I was in the elevator yesterday. This white man said, oh, your beard is coming in. (laughs) 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 I tell you about that shit. Um, So, oh, yeah, your beard is really coming in. And, you know, I see him. um, I see him, you know, here and there. I don't know his name or anything, but, you know, I catch him on the elevator sometimes. Mm. And so, you know, I made a little small talk with him or whatever i guess you know maybe he's trying to fill me out because i do i like i like i do get the crazy looks and things like that sometimes i don't know people i guess people think i'm some type of muslim terrorist especially because i probably look depressed all day like i'm about to like do some shit (laughs) Mm. but like you know it's like you can you can you can be an activist just by showing you know outwardly show something that you know lets people know where you stand 
or where you potentially stand or that might open a conversation to where you can, you know, maybe spread some views to some people or something like that. Like, my beard could be a conversation piece if somebody asks, why you wear a beard? Well, you know, to, you know, traditionally, when you look at certain cultures, you know, it's a form of wisdom and things like that. And it also has been a form of rebellion. And, you know, when it comes to certain, you know, cultures, when it comes to things like colonialism and things like that. So, you know, I wear my beard partially, you know, in respect to that, you know, to carry on that tradition. Mm. And, you know. You can be an activist through your conversation like that. You don't even have to be out there all the time. Like I think people can feel it when they're around it. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know, like because I mean, I guess, and or I guess you know, our podcast up to a point is a form of activism in many ways. <laughs> At least to the few people who listen to it. Yeah, I mean, I think we sparked some conversations and some people. Um, and, you know, I see our podcast as potentially being, you know, a platform in the future in order to get some ideas out there. So, um, so yeah. So, I don't know, man. When it, comes to, when it comes to these activists out here, man, like, of course, have your contact information for people to contact you. Just don't have a whole full-fledged book and info shit. Like, that, that's just crazy. Like, because if, if you really think about it, like, if we look back at like Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, like we hear about all like the big things that they did, but then you know till this day we always hear about like or there's like a story about like the thing that we didn't know that that they did that no one really paid attention to when they were like at the height of their career or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just like it was just like on like you know just like on the arm like oh I'm just gonna do it because this is what I do. And so fuck it if cameras aren't there we're just gonna do it. I and, mean look at um. You know, a lot of people get mad at this, but look at fucking Jay-Z. Oh, he like, quietly does stuff? Yeah, and Beyonce. Like, I think they quietly do a lot more than what even gets leaked out to the media. Like, they did some shit for Freddie Gray. Even Jay-Z did some shit for Africa Bambada when he was in the hospital. Like, people, like, they do things and don't talk about it. Yeah, well, like, um... Hello? Yeah, that was crazy. I think that's the first time it's ever happened. The call just dropped like that. Yeah, I never heard. <laughs> Probably Obama. <laughs> but, yeah, like, you know, if you're an activist, you're not a rapper. You can be a rapper and an activist, but the other way around, you know... I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Hopefully, for the people who are being, uh, you know, openly active activists, for lack of a better term, I mean, I don't know. As long as they do something, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's all I can say about that. I mean, I guess it is a good come up, and uh, you know, if someone comes up, I guess maybe it should be for a good cause, 
even if they are exploiting exploiting it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like you know, you have to you 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 have to start where you are, like. Um, it's the little things that you can do to make a difference and like this is one thing that you know my girlfriend said one time and you know it made an impact on me um, when she was talking about somebody at her job after the uh, Freddie Gray riots and everything and he was talking about how his church went down to North and Penn and they did this and that for the community and the kids and it's like She's just like, yo, you don't do nothing for these people any other time. Why you want to do this shit now? And it's like, you know, if you really want to do something for some kids who, you know, might have a future, I got three of them right here. You know, you can do something for these kids right here. And, you know, it's like everything doesn't have to be a part of something like you can make a difference just around you with the people who you know that can you know maybe start something like find a kid and be a part of that kid's life you probably got some kid as a family member or something like that like do something to inspire that kid give him twenty dollars when he gets some good grades if you get some worse grades the next time give him ten Tell them if you want the 20 again, do better. You know, it's like all kind of just little shit. Like, that's activism right there. Yeah. You know? Teach a kid how to play chess. You know? Introduce them to something different. Like, everybody talks about things start with the children. (laughs) Like, yo, find... Find it, find some children and show them some shit. <laughs> Still throwing up hashtags on Twitter, huh? I said, instead of throwing up hashtags on Twitter, yeah, like yo, yo, grabs, yo, it's kids out here, it's kids out here that don't have pops for whatever reason, don't have mothers, or man, I see some kids a day, man. And I just know that that future is going to be fucked up. And I just felt bad. Because it was like some teenage girls with some kids. And like they were cursing at the kids and just being ratchet. And like on the subway. And it's like, yo. Somebody needs to grab them kids up and get them out of this situation that they're in. Because they're not in a good situation. Like, you talking to a kid, like, you bitch. Like, you can't be doing shit like that. <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know. I digress. Um, These stories that come out about <coughs> people, um, excuse me, people in the cops and all this other type of stuff, you know, these are very important issues. And, like, on my way to work today, when I first heard about the situation in Minneapolis, it was like, yo, I don't even want to go to work. I just want to do something. It's like, yo, what the fuck am I going to do? Go out here and get killed. And what's that going to do? Nothing. Because somebody's just going to get killed next week. 
so the only thing you can do is you know put that energy into into something productive So, find you some kids and mentor them. <laughs> that's my. That, I think that's my thing. Like that's my my thing right now. Like, cause I think a lot of people are searching for something to do, and it's like this is something that you can do. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can. I can see that, and although I guess how reluctant I am to do something like that, I kind of do that on my damn self at this point. I mean, man, you, you, and you, you take it to the other side and break the shit down for, for them. <laughs> I know. You know, the funny thing about it is, it kind of had it just had happened out of anger. It was a, it was a point of rebellion. <laughs> That's the funny thing about all a lot of this stuff that's been happening lately. Yeah. Man, this is crazy, man. You know, like, uh, you know, one day, you know, people are against you, and one day you just wake up and say, you know, you throw out your lesson plan, and you say, fuck it. I'm going to talk about Mansa Musa today. This is just how I feel. Mansa Musa. Man, I need to make that the name of my company. I was thinking about, I was like, I didn't do that name my album. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised no one has it. I'm, I'm pretty sure that there's some, like, some Afrocentric nigga who just hasn't, like, who hasn't released anything. He probably has an album called Monster Musa. Maybe. I mean, I've been about... it for, like, seven years, and he's probably like, yo, when this shit comes out, it's going to be ill. Man, I'm about to, um, because I'm about to get my business license soon. Um. Yo. Yeah. Yo, we should make a song, like, 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 like with some dead press, like gang, like the like the dead press gangster grills. Oh yeah. But my called Mansa Musa. Mmm. We should do that shit over some designer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who I'm gonna shoot today. I don't know what I'm gonna do today. Yo, that song is kind of rocking, but I can't listen to that shit, man. Like, maybe I'm old. I can't listen to that shit. Yo, like, I feel kind of bad. Yo, like, the the guys in there, I can't think of it. Like, the the guy on there with them, I kind of like them. Yeah, but I can't listen to that shit. Like, yo, I can't listen to that shit. Like, that shit is, like, that shit is detrimental to to society. (laughs) Like. That shit is horrible, man. Yo, you, you know, you know, it's so funny, like, cause you know, people talk about Future, but like, compared to like that, that song, like, Future, he doesn't really do like shit like that. That song is bad, man. Like, and, man. yo, it's a six minute song. Yeah, and then the beat switches up and gets all yeah, deep on yeah, you and shit. Yeah, yeah, and then it gets more aggressive, and then like Future, like, yo, I'm about causing nigga Future. Then the Zardes, he just comes along. I don't know who I'm gonna do today. I don't know who I'm shooting today. He gets that shit gets. Faster and shit. Yeah, but I don't know who I'm going to shoot today. I don't know who I'm going to shoot today. Like, man, you know, we have to do better. Like, we have to do better, man. Like, and, you know, I understand the social constructs and everything. And, you know, it's not... 
you know, a lot of people, you take one, like a lot of people seem to take one side of it, but you take a holistic approach. Like we have to uplift ourselves because, you know, people talk about black people so ignorant, this or that or whatever. There's a reason for that. And when you start to understand those reasons and start to show people like this is why the situation is what it is, that's when you can start to get people to look into things more and start to uplift themselves. So it all kind of goes together. I mean, yeah, but you listen to this ratchet ass country music out here nowadays, man. <laughs> and we, had, we, I think we had a conversation about this too. Yeah, I mean, sometimes like, I don't know. I mean, like, yo, fucking the um, like a lot of the shit that we talk about. That's a problem with black people. It's a problem with white people too. It's just that that shit isn't out there like that. But man, I, I mean, if you listen to some country music, it's one country music song. I think what's the group called? Like three, uh, Florida Georgia Line. They have a song about getting drunk. They have a country music song about getting drunk and fucked up listening to hip hop music. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, like, at the end of the day, you know, race is a social construct, like how we always say. But at the same time, because it's a social construct and we're social creatures, it's real. Well, yeah, so that's why I just, I just, I don't know, I just hate when people say that shit. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, because the shit is so real to the point that it's not one, honestly, to me at least. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's 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 like a um, it's a paradox <laughs> because I feel like when you can step outside of it, there's a benefit to it. But then some people just live so outside of it that they just lost. They just lost outside in the woods. Yeah. Yo, I typed in Mansa Musa on title. The only thing that comes up is a song by an artist named Mansa Musa, dedication to Trayvon Martin. He spelled Trayvon wrong, and it's featuring Dub L. Right, well, we, need to, we need to hurry up and come out with this Mansa Musa song. Maybe that could be like the uh, like the final thing for like this project, the EP. Man, we gotta get some fronts. I need some fronts. <laughs> I think Manson Musa would have, Manson Musa probably had fronts. Maybe. <laughs> but um but yeah. Yeah, it's an it's an, it's a very interesting time. And it's I don't know, man. Like I look at every I don't know, man. I don't know what to say. I I don't know what to say. I mean, it's the it's the sixty. We just well, I mean, we're just we live in the sixties again. That's all. That's all it is at this point. You talking about lynchings in Georgia and shit? Like, come on, man. Like, you know, today I went on the racist. Yeah. I like I went on the racist website and read 
like a lot of the comments on some of the posts is to see what's going on. And it's like, yo, people are just ignorant. Yeah, man. I mean, shit. Like right now, I'm currently the only black, the only black man on my block in my neighborhood right now. Hmm. So that's interesting. I mean, well, I don't know. It's interesting, but I, I, I guess, I, for lack of a better term, live in a, in a liberal area. So I, th- I feel I, like I think it's a good thing that that you're not in in a class setting right now. We mean like you're not the only black person in the class in a history class. <laughs> I am. Oh, you mean like right now, like right at this moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I guess that's true. Because I'm sure, you know, certain people that won't be named, but that you've mentioned to me before are going to would say some shit that just sets you the fuck off. I mean, well, man, these niggas that always said shit to set me the fuck off when nothing was happening. And it was, it was like one of some just, some stupid, just, I mean, it wasn't really like racist. It was just like, just racially unconscious type shit and they just need to get it out their head. I guess for for lack of a better term, whatever like that, but um yeah, I don't know, man. Like, cause these people around here, man, like, I mean, but I, I understand, like a lot of these people like that, that I deal with, they they don't they don't come from like urban settings. Like they come from like the mountains. Mm. Niggas don't go to mountains. Maroons did and that shit was over with when they, once they started getting slaughtered. So so I mean, so I get it. Like they don't—they're not really around. Like for example, like I had one seminar or whatever like that, and they're talking about all these different weird mountainous places that I've never heard of or ever been to, and how beautiful it is, and all I know is slabs of concrete and gun smoke. <laughs> and you know, I don't really care to know about all the other type of shit. I'm not interested. I don't. I'm not interested in looking at. You know, we've had this conversation many times. I don't want to look at the 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 sun glistening over the water. And see, I do. Like, I need to get me a bike and bike through the mountains. I mean, you remember when we drove through the mountains that time? Oh, man. And we almost died. Yeah, man. One of those hillbillies would come out and fucking hit, hit you in the head with the butt of their rifle. You <laughs> <laughs> know, that Winchester from 1872. <laughs> Kill many a nigger with this gun. Yeah, probably sipping on the same moonshine that the great that their forefathers made before slavery was abolished and shit. Man. <laughs> oh shit, man, there's an article. Damn, there's an article I meant to send you. Um about it was like for Fourth of July. Some website put out some shit. And my, I think it was a major publication too about um, some black dude who reunited with his cousin who was white who owned the plantation that owned his family or some shit and they had dinner together on the plantation and they're breaking down racial barriers and stuff but I'm still saying like yo this motherfucker still owns a plantation and still has a fucking <laughs> wealth and you probably live in a fucking apartment. Well, if you were in that situation, would you have um, dinner with the person? I would 
I would entertain conversation. I would, I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't go to the plantation and have dinner and make it a news story. Hey man, maybe that's just come up. Maybe it is, and you can't knock a nigga hustle. That's one thing that you cannot do. <laughs> but, I don't know, man. It's like, that's a good question. Like, I used to have a co-worker who, who came from a long line of slave-holding families or whatever. And um, her brother was in the clan. And I remember for the Halloween party, she dressed up as somebody from Gone with the Wind. Is that the movie? Yeah. Yeah. And like in a whole... Oh, man, shit was crazy. Like, she had like the authentic dress from the 1800s and shit. And me, I came with a motherfucking Bob Marley t-shirt with a cat with some fake dreads on it and my guitar. (laughs) And I won the Halloween costume contest. <laughs> so I felt like that was a victory right there. That was my activism. <laughs> Man. You know, I come to work every day with a Holly Selassie red, gold, and green lanyard around my neck with Holly Selassie's uh, face printed on it all up and down it. <laughs> and I always had that shit sitting out at my desk. <laughs> And sometimes I just wonder, like, well, what the fuck are these people thinking when they see this shit? I don't know, maybe try to try to strike a conversation, but I mean, they probably may not even know what that shit is, honestly. I mean, I guess the good thing about where I work now is that at least, like, where I'm at right now is mostly black people. I mean, of course, there's mostly white people who are, like, over top. But, of course, you don't ever really see them like that. But that's one thing about being in Baltimore is that we're in a racial bubble. Um, Because I've talked to people and they said that they, you know, I think a lot of times people in Baltimore, black people in Baltimore, they look at white people as just junkies and not people in power. Yeah, I can see that. Like, you can go your whole life in Baltimore and not really realize that white people run shit. Yeah. Which, actually, I think, um, I would say that D. Watkins' uh, uh, book kind of portrays that kind of ideology. Hmm. Not saying that he, that he does personally, but just based on his story. Would you agree? Um, I'll say, yeah, yeah, definitely in, in the beginning parts of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a typical Baltimore type of mindset. Like, you don't see, like, you don't see white people. Like, I really didn't see white people until I went to a private school. Now, when I was in preschool and kindergarten, my best friend was white, Nicholas. We went to the same preschool, then went to the same um, elementary school until he moved. Um, but other than him, there weren't there weren't any white people. Mm-hmm. Like, 
other than the nuns. Mm, yeah, the white people that comes and swoops down and they save the black population from their own destruction. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> All right, I, I think we should probably just end the podcast and just call it call it a day on this before we get to some shit. All right, so in closing, I just want to just tell everybody, just please be safe. Please stay woke. Keep your cell phone charger charged in case some shit goes down. Um, and just be strong, man. Like, just just try to be strong, cause you never know when it's gonna happen to you. Like, you know, I've 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 been. On a on a dark street with nobody around in the middle of the night, being apprehended by police officers before and not knowing what's going to happen next. Word. And you know you have to understand, yo. When you when you deal with them, don't say shit. Like, let them do what they do. And live to fight another day. Because mm. as long as you have truth and righteousness on your side. And you can broadcast that shit to social media. You're going to be alright. <laughs> or. Like. Um, that, I mean. Not to sound super cliche. But that's that's just. That's just the reality of it. Like. Unfortunately, we have to approach these situations in a certain type of way. And, you know, you have to understand who you are. You have to have knowledge of self. Like how everybody says you got to have knowledge of self. You have to have knowledge of self that you're a black man and you're a target in this, in this society. And, unfortunately, you know, you don't have freedom to carry yourself the way that you would maybe like to. And sometimes you have to take an L. Sometimes you have to sacrifice your pride in order to live another day and, you know, keep being a positive influence on whoever you're a positive influence on in your life. Because no matter what the fuck dirt you're doing, you know, there's two sides to everybody. And... You know, sometimes you don't understand the positive effect that you might be having on somebody. And that alone is you worth breathing another breath and living another day. And so you need to keep doing that by any means necessary. And that means sacrificing your pride in a situation when it comes to these officers who have guns on their hip. Then sometimes that's what you have to do because they will shoot you for looking at them the wrong fucking way. Word. And I would say, I guess, on the more critical side of things, less uplifting, you know, like, you know, if you're going to be an activist, maybe you should take your your, 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 your your booking info off. You know, just leave your email up. You know, you don't shouldn't have a whole thing about what you need, your accommodations and all this and that. Maybe you think you're just getting straight to the point, but it's just not that classy if you're trying to be an activist. 
Take your book I, of info down. Yeah, take the book of info down, man. Like, look, man, Jesus slept in people's houses, man. He didn't want all these weird accommodations. So. And y'all niggas love you some Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, half y'all niggas do love Jesus, so start acting like him. <laughs> don't act like Martin Luther King, because I'm getting tired of you niggas walking around in your suits, looking like y'all just came out of motherfucking church Bible study and shit with your glasses on holding hands. It's Martin, not right. Martin Luther King did more than that, motherfuckers. <laughs> 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 like, like, niggas, niggas think Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King was out here in these streets. <laughs> And like, he smoked cigarettes. He smoked cigarettes. This nigga went to jail. This nigga was in jail writing letters, writing beautiful letters. Niggas nowadays go to jail and write raps. <laughs> Speaking of that, did you see uh, the the, uh, the the Gucci Man post where he had like all of his uh, his lyrics that he wrote in jail up on the wall? Yeah, man. Like, yo, I hope that shit was crazy. I hope Gucci Man comes out with. I don't, man. Gucci Man. That's a whole nother episode. Shout out to Gucci Man. Um, but all right. But in closing, um, I do want to give a shout out to one listener. Um, I want to give a shout out to Change the Stories. No doubt. She's uh she's relatively new, but every time I've been looking at the stats, I'm not sure if you if you noticed her, but she's been listening to damn near every episode, whether it's a no guest episode about just fucking around, like on some no race shit. Uh, to you know, having D. Watkins on and our other guests that we've had on, just listening. I don't know if she listens all the way through, so hopefully she listens to this. Hopefully you listen to this change of stories and you will hear this that we appreciate you listening. Shout out to Change of Stories. Shout out to Tay. Listen to every episode. Oh, uh, shout shout out to uh, Brandon Soderberg. Brandon Soderberg, Baltimore City Paper in the building. Uh, we probably should do the shout-outs in the beginning, um, but, um, <laughs> shout-out to, uh, I think we're about to put this episode out today, but shout-out to, um, Albert OBEC, um, we're gonna put this episode, we're gonna put his episode out probably, uh, what's today? It's about to be Friday, probably put his episode out Sunday, because we're gonna drop these, and then Saturday after that, we probably drop Bill's. Um, and just, you know, just hit them with the content back to back. Um, and then who else we got a shout out? Shout out to you, China. Happy birthday. Um, my man, you China from Radio One, WLB 1010 AM, called Tyrone Show. Um, had a good time on his birthday. Shout out to Be More Ben. About to do some work. About to get this money. Shout out to Killer Fifth, Born King. Um, and yeah. Shout out to Al Shipley. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Al Shipley. You know what? We should probably get him back on. Yeah. Talk about everything and all that stuff that's going on in the, in the, in the community. But yeah. Um, Shout out to Schoolboy Q. Blank Face is trending on Twitter right now. His album is streaming. I'm probably about to listen to that while I put this together and get it out to you for the peoples. Um, shit, we said so many things that could have been a fucking title for this, and I didn't write any of them down. But 
I'll figure it out, and I'm gonna try to have this episode out by Friday morning. Um, because I think we offered a different perspective. We talked about world issues and things. Cause everybody's talking about the same thing, but you know, we kind of. I think it's a good conversation. I think it's a good episode, and um, we'll have some more hip hop information to you. Um, and maybe some UFC. Maybe I don't know. Maybe we can figure out some type of way to do something for the UFC that's coming up. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I think that's it. Yeah, so peace. Yo, what up, man? It's a different channel, son. What up, on man? What up? Watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. What up? All good, baby. In every hood, son. What up? Yo. CNN Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas is grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas is grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace. Cast more beef.